Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on Thine is the Kingdom. We talked about the Kingdom of God again this morning. Just so you know, all of our, te all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship, uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Excuse me. And so, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. In the top right corner, it says Give. It's highlighted in blue. It's a blue button, and you just click on there, and you can give from anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom footer of every page on our website is our mailing address. If you're in the United States, just so you know your tax donations and contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 513 church. Right, well, without further ado, let me go ahead and get into our message this morning. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Anyway. Um, so we're talking about thine is the kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And I, I launched this off last week, talking about the kingdom of God is here and how we have the keys of the kingdom, and I'll be expounding on that a little bit today, but I'll come back to that in, in later weeks. Okay? And so, today I want to actually center in on, and actually uh, start off from Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. A very familiar story, there's a lot of us, and, uh, and we'll, then we'll be going from there. So, uh, I'll have the verses on the screen again. In Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Verse 26. Look at the birds. We'll come back to that. Of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not more valuable than they? Does God not care about birds? No, he does. But he says you're more valuable than the birds. Okay? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and, and they neither spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So God's making a comparison here between birds and also lilies, flowers. Okay, we'll come back to that. Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, here, today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? So if you're worried about clothes, if you're worried about food, if you're worried about your life, Jesus says it's little faith. Okay? Anyway, we'll come back to that, some of that later. Matthew, uh, verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Your Father is a good, good Father, and He knows what you need, these basic needs, okay? That's what He's talking about so far. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God. I talked a lot about righteousness last week. I'll be talking about it again this week. Because you're going to see in the series, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. <coughs> Righteousness and kingdom of God are very connected. And we're going to be looking at this uh, throughout the series. 
Okay? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. What things? The things he just talked about. Food. What you're going to wear. What you're going to eat. Where you're going to live. Your will your life. And all these things shall be added to you. Let's, uh, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay? Um, I want to look at this same passage, but I want to look at it from Luke's point of view. So beginning in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. Actually, to, we're going to be going to verse 32, I believe. And then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. This is going to sound very familiar to what we just read. Okay? Consider the ravens. Birds. Ravens are birds. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither store houses nor barns, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds, and which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you are not, if you then are not more, not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. So we're going to come back to, in a few moments, talking about birds and, and, birds and flowers. Okay? If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he, he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not and do not seek what you should not should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you need these things. Verse thirty one. But seek the kingdom of God. He leaves out the word righteousness, but we're gonna come back to that. And all these things shall be added to you. And then I, I showed this verse last week, uh, verse thirty two. And do not fear, O little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasures to give you the kingdom. It's in this context that he's talking about not, to, not worrying about our lives, what we're going to eat, where, and, and what, so forth. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Luke, 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 Luke adds on to that, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure. It's his pleasure. It's not his duty. God doesn't owe you anything, okay? It's his pleasure, it's his gift, it's his love to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you a kingdom. And that kingdom that he gives you, he says that we are to seek that first, and we are to seek that foremost, okay? Last week I also shared from Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Now when he asked the Pharisees, excuse me, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say here or see nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom is the kingdom of God that cannot be seen with a natural eye. Yes, there's a physical king coming, Jesus is coming again. Okay. But the kingdom of God is already here. And you can't now, until the physical kingdom comes, you can't see it with a physical eye. It's a spiritual kingdom. Okay? And it's, where is the kingdom of God? It's within you. Okay? Last week we also shared from Matthew chapter 16, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. We talked a lot about that last week. Okay? And we're going to be coming back to this later on. If not today, we'll be coming back later next week. Or the following weeks. 
that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys, plural, okay, of the kingdom of heaven. For whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Keys unlock things. Keys lock things. There's some things that we need to be unlocking, and there's some things that we need to be uh, locking. We have the keys. The kingdom of God is within us. It's our Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. We have the keys. And we're, with great power comes great responsibility. There's things that we need to be binding, and there's some things that we need to be loosening. Not because we're yelling at the enemy. We, you, know, you know, when I unlock my door to come into my house, I don't have to yell at my door. Open! No, I just use the key to unlock it, walk in. There's no contest. There's no drama. Okay? I just walk in. I just unlock the door. Send in at my work office, send in to, uh, my car. I don't have to say, car, you work. No, I just turn on the car. Why? Because I have the keys. Okay? When I use my computer or my phone, I don't have to say computer work. No, I just I just use the password and I log in and and whatnot. My computer at my office it has face recognition. It, you, you, you can't get in my computer unless you, you have my face. Okay? And it's not going to just take some image. So, so, uh, so uh, you know, why? Because I have the keys. I have the password to use those things. Okay? Uh, this, uh, this computer here, uh, I have to use my fingerprint. You don't have my fingerprint. Okay? And so there are certain things that you have to have that are represented as keys to access these things. I don't have to say computer work. No, I just show my face. I just show my finger. I just use my key. I just do use the password, uh, the, 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 which serves as a key to access what is mine. Okay? And so, what I have access to. I don't have to fight for it. I don't have to fight with my computer. I don't have to fight with these things. And now, technology and how I use a computer, that's another thing. Okay? But we're not going there. And I'm not saying there's not other parts why the car may not work or the door may not unlock. But I have the keys. I don't have to fight. I have authority, okay, to, to use those things. This, uh, everything he says here, he echoes two chapters later in Matthew 18 when he's talking about how we forgive one another and how we get along, and how we deal with controversy among one another. And he says, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And again, I say to you, what two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them for my Father by my Father in heaven. I'm going to go here in just a moment, but I want to make mention of it. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, which he just talked about in Matthew, in Matthew 6 and also in Luke 12. It's not about what we eat and what we wear and different things, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. But I want to go back real quick to Matthew 6.33. You know, Matthew 6.33 was one of my favorite verses growing up. There was a time, and I, I'll share a small little testimony, but there was a time in high school, and this was during my sophomore year in high school, my in the 10th grade, and so uh, there was a revival that was starting to take place in our high school. It, just, it was just in the very beginning stages. Uh, some of my classmates were meeting on the football field at lunchtime on the one particular, we had actually a, a special chapel, and that day, uh, uh, there was a certain day that uh, uh, we were invited to go on the football field to go and uh, pray, just pray during lunch. And a lot of my classmates were showing up, and I, for some reason, I did not go. I don't even 
to this day, I don't really know all the reasons why I didn't go that day. But when I didn't go to the football field to go pray that day, that bothered me. I didn't show up. It wasn't anyone's fault but mine. Uh, but uh, it bothered me. And so that night when I went to, to have my devotions, I was a believer. I was great, raised in a good Christian home. I had my devotions. I actually had two devotionals I was following at that time. And I was, I was upset with myself. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why did I not go? And while I was in this time where I was kind of debating more with myself than I was with God, God actually taught me, <coughs> excuse me, he taught me how to seek first his kingdom. Because I said, Lord, why am I not excited about you? Why am I not doing this? And, and one of the, and there was two verses the Lord led me that morning, uh, that, that evening, excuse me, of how to seek him. He, he, in the first one, he told me, to go, he said, I want you to read your first devotional. Well, my devotional for that day, the very first place I was supposed to go to, was Matthew 6.33. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I said, Lord, he says, but, but what do you mean seek you? And the Lord told me again, I want you to go to your second verse, your second devotional. And that second devotion is from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 to 13. And it says, And you, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You will call upon me, you will find, uh, and pray to me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think I chopped up the last little part a little bit, and I apologize. But the point was, God was saying, seek me with all your heart. And again, that word seek showed up. I said, Lord, what do you mean, seek me with all your heart? What do you mean, seek me first? And God, God began to describe to me in my own walk with him. He, and that night, he said, when you read the Bible, I don't want you to just read it, to read it. I want you to, before you even begin to read, say, Holy Spirit, begin to teach me. And I want you to, 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 to read it with a heart to understand what I'm saying to you. God's telling me how to read his own word, how to read the Bible. And he says, when you go to church, I don't want you to just go to church and just and just listen or, or your mind off somewhere else. I want you to go to church and I want you to listen. And I want you to, even before the pastor begins to preach, Lord, I want you to teach me. And I'm open to hear what you are having to say. Whether I agree with the pastor or not, whether I agree with the teacher or not, as we study my word, I want you to, uh, to, to have a heart to receive from me and my word. He says, when you pray, I don't want you to just go through the motions. I want you to pray like you, you never prayed before. I want you to pray like you mean it. I want you to pray like you believe I'm going to answer it. Because when you worship, I don't want you to just sing songs. I want you to worship me as if you are seeing me in my throne room and you're worshiping me and you're exalting me. He says, when I, when I say seek me with all my heart, I want you to seek me like you seek that girl, girlfriend you've always wanted. I want you to seek me like you seek those friends you've always wanted. You, there was three things I always wanted in life from, from, my young, from a young age probably junior high and on. And there's three, two of those things had to do with friends. I always wanted friends. And I, and I don't want it now because I'm married, but I wanted a girlfriend. 
Okay? I wanted a special friend. And then the, the other thing I always wanted, I just wanted my life to count. I wanted to have a purpose. I wanted to know my purpose in that time, time of my life. But he says, I want you to seek me like you've always sought that girl. He says, you know, you know the girl that you always have your eye on, that you, you will you will accidentally on purpose cross paths with you to hope that you could it would strike a conversation and that's and and I knew that conversation never took place because she didn't take notice of me. I was taking notice of her, but she wasn't taking notice of me, and so it never happened. But God, I understood what it meant when he meant me. He said, I want you to seek me like you've been seeking to have a relationship with that girl and that girl and that girl. You know, and I was going down the list because I wanted someone to take notice of me. You know, and so it wasn't, uh, there was more, there was a lot of fish in the pond. And uh, I was just trying to get one one of the fish to, to, to yank on my, on my chain, so to speak, and, and so I could reel it in. Okay, but I wasn't getting any advice. But that, that, it all ended well because I got married. I got a great wife. We've been celebrating 23 years. Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate our 23rd year anniversary here in 2023. Okay, so I'm not seeking that anymore. But my point is, God was teaching me, I want you to seek me. Like you're seeking the very most important thing that's on your prayer list and on your wish list, that's on your bucket list. And now, in addition to that, I'm really, my biggest prayer request has been friends. And I don't have time to go into all that, but it's just something that's always been special to me. And I uh, just wanted uh, a best friend. And, uh, and, and uh, I have people who are friendly, but and I have my wife who's my best friend in many ways, and in probably every way. Uh, but maybe I'm saying that wrong, but uh, uh, my part is, is I've always wanted that buddy that, that friend, um, whether that be a guy, like a brother, or a girl, like a sister, not to replace my wife, not, not anything impure, not anything raw, not anything out of context, but just people where we can be friends. And, and my, my wife and I together want couples, a couple of godly couple of friends that we can just do koinonia with and fellowship with, okay? And so, anyway, that's a, that's a rabbit trail. But my point is, we need to seek God first over anything else and over everything else. He needs to be our first priority in life. Okay? And so, a couple of comments I would just want to make that I have from my notes. It says, I wrote this down the other day when I was studying, preparing for the day's message. It says, when God stands, I'm sorry, when God starts being our provider, we start seeking Him to be our provider. Because the context, he says, he's talking about, don't worry about where you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, and, and all these different things. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will, will be added to you. When God starts being our provider, versus us just worrying about our provision, whether that provision be food, whether that provision be clothing, our housing, our finances, our wisdom, our... <coughs> <coughs> our friends, like I just said, when God becomes our provider, his supply will be extravagant. When God is our source, when we are trusting him and we're seeking his kingdom and our relationship, our right standing with him, which I'm going to give in just a few moments. <coughs> but when God 
becomes our provider, when he becomes our savior, when he becomes our source, whatever we need, when we seek him first in his kingdom and our relationship with him in that kingdom, his supply will always be extravagant. God will always supply more than enough so that not only we have enough, but we have enough left over to give to others. See, if we are, and I'm just going to go off on, on supply for you for a moment, our provision, and mainly in the context of finances or things that we need. If we are ever tempted to be embarrassed at God's abundant supply, then we haven't fully tapped into God's supply. I want to say that again. If we are ever tempted to be embarrassed by God's abundant supply, then we have not yet tapped into God's supply. Because God will always supply more than enough. He will always give you a boat-sinking, net-breaking supply. He will always give you more than enough. He will always give you a supply that you cannot contain it. This is true for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was as true for Joseph. This was... <coughs> and I can go... We just spent a lot of time talking about God's... The, one of the benefits of salvation is God's prosperity. And if you are ever tempted to be embarrassed by God's abundant supply, then you have not tapped into God's abundant supply. Because God will give you more than enough. Not just so you are just living off riches, but so that you are so blessed that you can bless other people. And there's a lot of religious people out there judging people who have been blessed by God, but you don't even know their harvest. I mean, you, you know, you're looking at their harvest, but you don't even know their seed. I know pastors who are giving away millions of dollars, and people will judge them because they have a nice car or a nice house or a nice church building. Some of you need to keep your religious mouth shut because you need to, first of all, you need to mind your own business. And you need, you need to not judge their harvest because you don't know their seed. That's not the script of my message this morning, but some of you need to hear that. Our first priority is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, most of my life growing up, I did not really understand this word righteousness. It wasn't really until the last 10, 15 years I really understood righteousness. And when we started this church nine years ago, when we started this church, our first church service was on December 7th, 2014. We actually started the, the, the behind-the-scenes work uh, in, our, in, in America. We have, there's a process we have to do. And God told, God told me in, 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 uh, earlier that year, in the spring and summer of that year, he told me to start getting some things ready. I didn't know when the church was going to start. We were still in Bible school. I had no intentions. I had no plans of starting the church. Um, that's a whole whole way how that came about. Uh, it wasn't something I had planned, but God told me to start giving some ducks in order. People have judged me thinking I'm, I had a preconceived idea of starting the church. They're wrong. They can believe what they want to believe. 
Uh, but God told me uh, to begin to, to get the, our books in order and start getting our accounts in order with the government. I didn't know when we were going to actually start. We didn't have a dime to our name at the time as far as the church is concerned. And we, but we were just obeying God. Okay? But it was in that season, though, the reason why I go on all of that, because it was in that season and the season before that that God began to teach me a lot about righteousness. And when we did start our church for the first year, I taught on righteousness a lot. I taught almost a whole year on righteousness. And I still teach almost every teaching that I, 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 I taught, there's righteousness being taught in there. Because when God began to teach me on righteousness, and at the time I was not pastoring, I've been in the ministry for almost 30 years for different, different ways and shapes and sizes. But there was a period of time where I was out of the ministry, and there was a whole story behind all that, and I'm not going to go into all that this morning. But I said, Lord, if you can get me back into the ministry, I will teach on righteousness. It's about, it's about our relationship with God. It's about being right standing with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Am I saying we're not supposed to live holy and run, live righteously? No, we are. But we're not the source. God is. We live righteously because we are righteous and holy because of what Jesus did. Only the blood of Jesus can make anyone holy. Only the blood of Jesus can make anyone righteous. And it, we, we, uh, he, he was raised for our justification. I think that's Romans chapter 4, verse 25. The very last uh, verse in Romans chapter 4. And there's over 512 scriptures. Uh, 512 is the number I counted. But there are over 500 scriptures in the New Testament, Old Testament, talking about righteousness. And we are supposed to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Not my righteousness. This is not self-righteousness. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, I think it's verse 6, our self-righteousness is like filthy rags. If you study that out, it's like feminine cloths. Your self-righteousness is basically used toilet paper, okay? And I'm not trying to be gross, but it is gross, okay? And so um, uh, that's what self-righteousness is, filthy rags. But his righteousness, true righteousness, is the is a, is a man that we put on. We're going to get into that a little bit later. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. I know there's things that we need. A lot of people post things on, on Facebook asking for prayer for things they need. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of themselves. But the first thing you need to be seeking is his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that you need, he's going to give it to you. He just said in, in, the last, in the last verse we read from, um, from uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it's to your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're not only supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, but we have the kingdom of God. God's given us the kingdom. He's given us the keys. Okay? And we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that we need will be added to us. One of the reasons why they're added to us because we have the kingdom. And we have the keys in the kingdom. That includes the keys of the treasury. Okay? You don't have the keys of the kingdom and one department of the kingdom's off limits to you. It doesn't work that way. You can't have the keys of the kingdom and one department is, is not is closed off to you. We have the keys of the kingdom. And this is righteousness. I want to go off into this righteousness for a little bit. 
Because as we study the kingdom of God, we can't separate righteousness. Because I'm going to get into a whole other dimension next week about this. But my favorite verse now, this was my favorite verse growing up, but my favorite verse now is sec- um, Sorry, I didn't know it was going to go here. This is where I'm supposed to go. So, anyway, excuse me. My favorite verse now, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. Righteousness is not something we did. Righteousness is something that we were made into because of Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in him. We're not righteous without him. We're righteous in him. Because I'm not in him. I'm died. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Okay? And so, most of us are, are living Christianity as if Christ, Jesus did nothing. We've left Christ, not just out of Christmas, we've left Christ out of Christianity. It's all about Christ. He's a risen Lord. He bought me with a, his blood. He redeemed me by his blood. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm living not because I'm doing well. I'm living because Christ is doing well. Christ is in me. Christ is for me. Christ is here. His kingdom is here because he's here. Okay? And so I'm supposed to seek what this righteousness I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and that the fact that he made me righteous in him is his righteousness. He goes on to say, and we talked about this last week, for if by, by one man's offense, death reigned. He's talking about Adam here. Adam's fall in the, in the garden. <coughs> death reigned because of Adam. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and gift of righteousness will reign through the one Jesus Christ. We're destined to reign. Why? Because Jesus Gave us his grace, abundance of grace, and gift of righteousness. And we are to reign in life, not by ourselves, but through the one, Jesus Christ. Jesus is never eliminated from the equation. He is the equation. Okay? Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And you can't, you can't have... You can't have rain. You can't have grace without Jesus. You can't have righteousness without Jesus. You can't even have life without Jesus. Death reigns. But much more shall we reign in life because of the one, Jesus Christ. And through that reign, we reign because of righteousness. We reign in life because of righteousness. We reign in life because of this grace through the one, Jesus Christ. I, I kind of quoted here from a minute ago. Well, actually, I'm supposed to go here first. This is 517. I talked this last week. Let me add on to that. Verse 21, same chapter. So that as, it, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I quoted from this a minute ago. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 21, I'm reading from the King, King James Version. But ye have not so learned this phrase, so learn. There's something that we are to so learn. When you, when you study this phrase out in the Greek, it means, to be, there's, it means to be saturated. It means to be permeated. 
There's something that you and I, as Christians, as born-again believers, are to so learn. We're supposed to be permeated in. We're supposed to be saturated in. You know, being saturated is not just a little skinny dip. Forget the skinny part. It's a little dip in the water, okay? It means to be submerged. Submarine. You're submerged. You're, 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 you're in this thing. Okay? You're submerged. You have so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Any truth you have heard or any truth that you think you, you know, if it doesn't have Jesus in it, it is not truth. And this, so what we're supposed to learn is the truth that's in Jesus. And then there's, I love the King James because it has a colon right here. What this truth that we are to so learn, because it thought whatever that truth is, it's going to follow this colon. If you understand English, English grammar. Okay? So verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to his <coughs> And be renewed, be renovated. In the spirit of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter twelve, verses one, one to two, and that you be put that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what's what's this truth that we have to so learn? That we put off the old man, and in the spirit of our mind, we put on the new man, who is created according to God. In righteousness and true holiness. I like the New King James here because the New King James puts the, the and, the true, before righteousness. True righteousness and true holiness is not you. True righteousness and holiness, and let me say that again. True righteousness and true holiness is not what you do. True righteousness and holy, true holiness is who you put on. You put on the new man who's created. <coughs> Excuse me. Who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness? The word righteousness and holiness here are not verbs. They're not what you do. They are nouns. Does that mean we don't live holy? Does it mean we don't live? We're just holy no matter what we do? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm teaching. But this, you can't be something you not already are. The seed. You're born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Whatever spirit is spirit, whatever flesh is flesh. You're not born again of the flesh. You're born again of God, of his seed. An apple tree does not produce apples to become an apple tree. An apple tree produces apples because it is an apple tree. It's in his seed. And in our seed and in our born again nature, we are Christ. And in that born-again nature is righteousness and true holiness. We put on. We put off the corrupt man. We put off the old man. We died. This is the truth that we are to so learn. This is the truth that's in Jesus. That we put off the old man and in the spirit of our mind be renewed, be renovated. If you say this word out in the Greek, it means to renovate your mind. Renovate your mind that you put on the new man who is 
which is after God was created in true holiness, true righteousness and holiness. That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation, unto holiness, unto healing, unto prosperity, unto deliverance. For everyone who believes, for therein, therein what? The gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as the just, as is written, the just shall live by his faith. This is so rich, so deep, I could spend months on this. I have spent years on this. Okay? I have taught this for eight years and going on nine years now. We have been teaching this. That the gospel is the power of God. Okay? Why is it the power of God? Because through it, it, it reveals righteousness. And righteousness is the kingdom of God, and righteousness is what we're supposed to seek first. We are so, so learned this gospel that reveals that we are a new man, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, so that we, the just, the justified, the righteous, can live by this faith. This is powerful. And that's why it's called the power of God. Because the power of God is being revealed in this gospel. If we know what Jesus did, if we know who we are in Christ, through this abundance of grace and gifts of righteousness, we are destined to reign through the life, through the one, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer. Okay? And that's why Philemon says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual when you acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament talking about who we are in Christ. And our faith cannot be effectual if we don't acknowledge every good thing. Righteousness is only one of them. It's one of the main ones that I want to talk about. Holiness is one of them. The only reason you're holy is because of Jesus. And because if you're doing sin, if you're living in sin, you're not living who you are. That's a hypocrite. You are the righteous God in Christ. Live like it. Be holy because you are holy. How are you holy? Because of what Jesus did. Okay? Uh, that's, I'm going off on a side tangent there. But we need to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ. And if, when we do, our faith becomes effectual. If you don't acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ, your faith is not effectual. I didn't say it, but God, Paul said it to Philemon. Okay? Let me take this on a step further. I want to spend a little bit of time here, too. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews says, For by this time you ought to be teachers. Hebrews is written to who? The Hebrews, the Jews. And he's writing to read the Jewish leaders that he's writing to. He's writing, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again. The first principles are the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. I want to read the same verse just for a moment from the, NSA, NSA, the New American Standard Bible. You can also see this in the NIV and some other translations. But this word, this phrase, first principles, is also called the element of, 
elementary principles. Okay? I'm not so much worried about rereading the whole verse again. I just want to point out this word, this first principle is also elementary principles. You know, there's something about elementary. When I went to school, and hopefully a lot of you did, if not most of you did, I learned how to read. I learned how to write. I learned basic math, how to add, subtract, multiply, divide. When I got to other education in junior high and high school and college, I learned other things like algebra, geometry. Well, I learned it enough where I passed and I graduated. I can't, I can't do any algebra today. I can't do very much geometry today. Why? Because I don't use it. But I, I do add. I do subtract. I do multiply and divide all the time. I do, I do read and write. I might not be the best. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, a major scholar with that. Okay, but I know the basics, and maybe a little more than basics in some areas. But you know, I could never learn, even though I don't, I can't do geometry today and algebra like I used to. Because I don't use it. I don't have a need for it. I could never have learned that unless I had learned the elementary teachings first. The elementary teachings are foundational. They're the first principles. You can't have higher education. You can't learn vocabulary until you first learn the alphabet. You can't learn how to write a book unless you first learn the basics of reading and writing. You can't learn higher education unless you first learn elementary teachings. Okay? The elementary teachings are foundational. They're the first principles. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, uh, let me go back here. By this, you should be teachers, but you still have to learn the first principles again. You can't go on to other teachings. You can't go on to other subjects you can't build on this foundation because you need that foundation to be laid again. Okay? Of the oracles of God. And he goes on to say in verse 13, For everyone who partakes of mouth is unskilled in the word of righteousness. If you need the, if you are unskilled in the word of righteousness, you need the elementary teachings again. And the elementary teachings are righteousness. If you are unskilled in righteousness, you are still a babe. Nothing wrong with being a babe. We were all once, we all started there. Okay? But a babe is unskilled. It's immature. Okay? But solitude belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We're going to come back to this later if we have time today. Okay? Depending on how we do. But let me, I got some notes here. We first need to, um, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment. Let me go somewhere and then I'm going to come back to this, okay? Again, I'm going to go here in just a moment. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, okay? But I'm also picking back up our main verse today, which is about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
I hope I'm making sense here. It's a little choppy because I'm going back to my notes and bouncing around a little bit. But this is where we're teaching from. This is where we're going. This is where we're teaching from. But I still want to spend some time here with Hebrews chapter 5 here too as well. But let me make some points here. Based off Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we'll come back to Hebrews in just a moment. We need to trust God. That's really the bottom line that we're getting to. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. Like He said earlier, and I don't have the verses on the screen right now. Like the birds trust Him. And like the flowers trust Him. Do you know that the birds are trusting God better than some of you are. Did you know that the flowers, the lilies in the field, are trusting God better than you, some of you are? We need to trust God like birds do and like flowers do. I want that to sink in. If a flower can trust God, you can. Okay? And we need a revelation of the kingdom. And we need a revelation of righteousness. Because if we don't know righteousness, according to what we just read, and we're going to go back to it, we're unskilled. And we're still a babe. And we still have to have milk. We are not a teacher. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a babe. But there's three things about children, babes. First of all, they are codependent. How many of you know a baby, a child, needs to be codependent on mom and dad until, until they become of age? But the whole point of parenting is to raise your child in such a way so that when they do become of age and become an adult, they are not codependent on mom and dad as much. Mom and dad will always be there to a certain They're not going to betray them. They shouldn't. Any good parent won't. But a good parent also is not going to make their child codependent on them the same way they were when they were a baby. If your parents are still changing your diaper in your teenage years, something's wrong. I'm not talking about there's a physical issue and something's going on. I'm not talking about that. There's a time for codependency, but we need to be weaned off that as we grow up. A child is also gullible. They will teach, learn, they will all, they will, anything you teach them, they will believe, like Santa Claus and different things of that nature. Okay? Paul warns of this in Ephesians chapter 4. Children can be tossed from every wind of doctrine. We need to be established in righteousness in the kingdom. We need to be skilled in the elementary teachings of the Word of God, of the oracles of God. But another thing about children is they can't reproduce. They have to become of age, just like every plant, every insect, every animal, until it becomes mature. It can't reproduce. 
and to every seed, every animal, every insect, every plant, all, all of them have a different timetable what mature is like. Okay? But we want us to grow, spiritually speaking though, not just physically speaking, we want to, me as a pastor, I want to train you so that you can reproduce and bring other people into the kingdom, to this righteousness. But you can't bring people to the kingdom if you're still don't even know who you are. You're going to have a hard time with that. Reproducing. So we need a revelation of the kingdom of God. And we need a revelation of righteousness. We need a revelation that we are not ashamed of this gospel. But it's a, we, can, we can tap into the power unto salvation. And we need a revelation so that we can live from faith to faith. Because we're supposed to live. We can't live if we don't even have a revelation of what this gospel can do. So that we can live from faith to faith. And we can live how God designed us to live because of Jesus. Okay? We need a revelation. We need to so learn this truth so that we stop living like the old man and we start living like the new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We need a revelation of the kingdom of God and righteousness so that our faith becomes effectual because of we are acknowledging who we are in Jesus Christ. We need a revelation so that, I know we haven't gotten there here yet, so that we can experience his righteousness, his peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit in his kingdom that is ours, that we have the keys to. We need a revelation that we can have this abundance of grace and get the righteousness that we can reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we are unskilled. If we don't understand this righteousness, we, if we don't understand this righteousness, we are unskilled and we are still taking milk. So we're making sense. So a lot of us, because we are unskilled in the word of righteousness, we're still babes. Some people get offended by this, but you're immature as a Christian. Okay. But by now we should all be, most of you should be, I don't know all of you, but we should be teachers, teaching others. You might not all be behind a pulpit. You might not all be online teaching to a crowd. You might not all be behind a pulpit and a stage in a church building. But you're all teachers. If you're a mom, you're teaching your kids. If you're a dad, you're teaching your kids. If you're an employer, you're teaching other people. You all have people in your life. Younger, the older is supposed to be teaching, teaching the younger. And we can, we can apply that older and younger from a physical standpoint. Grandmothers should be teaching the young ones. And, and the older you are, you should be teaching others. But also those who are older and more mature, spiritually speaking. That has nothing to do with age. 
but it has to do with maturity. You can teach others how to live. But you can't teach others if you need to be taught again the first principles of righteousness, if you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. But we need, we need, some of us need to be taught again the elementary teachings. And we can't even go on to the meat because we're still, we haven't been weaned off the milk. And I'm not saying we're being weaned off the milk so that we don't need righteousness anymore. No, we need the foundation so we can build. If the foundation of the house, of the building is not laid, you can't build on that. If you do, it will be corrupt and it will crash. Okay? And, and we'll deal with that foundation a little bit more next week. But let's go, again, go back here to this verse, this passage of, of by this time you ought to be teachers and someone needs to teach you the first principles. I just did go back. <laughs> Sorry. I'm reading my notes, but I'm also just going with the flow here. We are going to come back one more time towards the end because I want to deal with this phrase right here, the senses being exercised. But let's go real quick here to Romans 4.17. Checking on my time, I'm so good. But the kingdom of God, that's what we're talking about, is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? I feel like a little, little choppy, a little bouncing around a little bit. But these verses go together. They are intertwined so well that I want you to get the whole scope of this by, by going back and forth this way. See, the kingdom of God is not just about keeping rules and regulations. Yes, in any kingdom there is going to be a government. Yes, in any kingdom there's going to be laws and rules and how it functions. But that's not what the kingdom of God... Paul said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Different religious regulations rules about food and eating and drinking. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The key to the kingdom of God is a relationship with It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Okay? Let me just read this for a minute. Those who are enjoying right relationship with God, because righteousness is right relationship with God. It's right standing with God. It's a right relationship with God. If you study this out, and I, I should have probably spent a little more time with that, it's right relationship with God. It's right standing with God. It's a noun. It's not a verb. Are we supposed to live righteously? Yes. But you can't live righteously until you first understand righteousness. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Okay? But those who are enjoying right relationship with God, are right standing with God, which is what righteousness is, they are experiencing true joy and peace. If you understand and are enjoying a right relationship with God, a right standing with God, you will be experiencing true joy and peace in your life. That, and this joy and this, this joy and peace only comes from being established in His righteousness, being established in your relationship with God. 
In other words, these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, are the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Paul said these three things are the characteristics of the kingdom of God. I would venture to say if some of us wrote the Bible, we would use different characteristics to enjoy it to explain what the kingdom of God is, not these three things. We would be talking about power and weapons and warfare and, and authority. And all, some of those things are all part of the kingdom of God to a certain respect. But these are the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Right standing with God produces peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you are not right with God, you're not going to have any peace. If you're not right with God, you are not going to have any true joy. But when you know that you're right with God because of what Jesus did, not only will you be right with God, but you'll begin to live right with God, and you will have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For instance, Romans 5, what says, Therefore, having been justified, that's the same word for righteousness, having been made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can bring out many scriptures that bring out this for both peace and joy. But let me go off on this just a moment, especially, you know, when we talk about righteousness and how some people... I'm going to go off, first of all, 1 Samuel 16. This is when Samuel was anointed, trying to anoint the next king of, of Israel, David. He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? See, Man always focuses on external things, the outward appearance. But God deals with people's sins or actions because they indicate the condition of the heart. When people are sinning, when people are failing, when people, their conduct is not right, Yes, the behavior's wrong. But you know that's not the real problem. The problem is the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are living in sin, doing sin, committing sin, anything that's not a faith of sin. So if you're not, whether you're doing sins of omission or sins of commission, you're not doing what you should be doing and you're, not, you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. It all stems to the heart. You fix the heart, You'll fix the behavior. You start, you be right with God, you'll start living right with God. You fix the seed, you'll fix the, the fruit. You fix the vine, you'll fix the fruit. If the source, if the veins are healthy, the bloodstream's healthy, the body will react to it. Okay? If, there, if there's bad germs and cells in your body, Call sickness or disease, if those leave and are exchanged with the, the, the good blood flowing through your veins, your body will be healed. Okay? The source is the heart. 
Do some, do some of us, if not all of us, need some work to do on the outward? Yes. But we need to focus on the heart, the source of the problem. Okay? We can go fruit picking all day long and say, that was wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong. And you might be correct. But you're not going to change a life, you're not going to change your life by fruit picking unless you deal with the heart. Okay? It's always the inner condition of the heart that God is seeking to change. Because you know that He can change your heart. He can change your life and your behavior. Okay? The behavior will always follow. See, we were created in God's image and likeness. Genesis chapter 1. And we were recreated in Christ. And because that's true, we need to be like Christ. We need to live like Christ. We call ourselves Christians, but we need to live like Christians. We need to live godly. Live like God. Be godlike. Okay? But the focus is on the inner condition of the heart. Which is really when I get back to you, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Yes, in context he's talking about what we eat and wear and whatnot. But if you will seek God's kingdom, which I don't have it on the screen right now, which is righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit, if you will seek first his kingdom, and you seek first righteousness, a right relationship with God because of Jesus, you will live right. And you will not only live right as far as you don't, you stop sinning, you stop whatever, whatever your hang-ups are, whatever your addictions are, whatever you keep doing, whatever you were doing before. But anything's not a faith of sin. And so not only will you stop doing the things you shouldn't, you should stop doing, you will also start living. The just shall live by his faith. And the communication of your faith becomes effectual because you're acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You'll start doing miracles. You'll start living like you have the keys of the kingdom. You'll start living like the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is within you. Because you have righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And it is effectual. It is activated. But did you know that when we focus on external things, instead of focusing on eternal things, of seeking His kingdom and His righteousness in the heart, That until we are focused on God, we can't have the temperance to control the flesh. For instance, Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key to controlling the flesh is not you. The key to controlling the flesh is walking in the Spirit. For the kingdom of God is righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. 
I don't have time to connect all that right now. But what's the lust of the flesh? Well, some, some of us, when we think of flesh, we think of adultery and all types of you know, sexual sins. But how I many you know some people, their flesh is lusting to gossip? How I many let's, let's go totally different direction? Or let's add some add to that first. Some of you, you have your flesh just loves to lie and bear false witness. You just are a repulsive liar. And that's got to be a hard life because you don't even know when the last lie is and your whole, your whole life is a lie. But some people are addicted to that. Some people, they're addicted to be depressed. Your flesh is longing to be poor me, poor me, poor me. Some of you, your flesh is angry at everything. And you need what some people call anger management. Your flesh is lusting to take it out on everybody. You're bitter at God. You're bitter at your wife. You're bitter at your dog. You're bitter at everything. You're bitter at the government. And I'm not saying things, some of these things have not been worthy of that bitterment to, to a certain level. But you don't control the flesh by the flesh. You control the flesh by walking in the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is long-suffering. Long-suffering, let me say that again, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control or temperance. Temperance is not a fruit of the flesh. Temperance is a fruit of the spirit. You don't control the flesh by the flesh. You control the flesh by the walking in the spirit. So if you're having a behavior problem, if you're having a sin problem, if you're having a faith problem, a depression problem, an anger problem, whatever the problem is, walk in the Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you will have temperance. You'll have joy, love, peace. Love. So it will be oozing out of you because you're not walking in the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit, and you're not fulfilling the flesh. You're laying the Spirit flow. That you're letting the kingdom of God flow. Because the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace. It's right there. In the Holy Spirit. Which goes right back to this is what we need to so learn. So that we're not living according to the old man, which is corrupt. But we are been renewed, transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we put off the old man, but put on the new man, which is righteous and truly holy. Okay. And this is why this we are not ashamed. Because the gospel has saved us from our flesh. And we are living from faith to faith because of just the righteousness by faith. Because we have a revelation of righteousness. We have a revelation of the kingdom of God. Okay. See. The gospel. This is what the gospel. It reveals righteousness. The gospel reveals righteousness. I taught on that. Okay. It's, we are, the gospel reveals right standing with God. It reveals a right relationship with God. 
and it just lives by faith. It just lives by trusting God. Stop trusting yourself. Let me go back. Stop trusting yourself to control yourself and walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Trust God and you will control the flesh. And you will put the flesh to death. You know, this phrase, put off the old man, do you know what that means? It means to cut it off. If you said that, it means to crucify it. It means to cut it off. It's the same, it's the same language for circumcision. You cut off the flesh. And you put on Christ. Cut it off. How do you cut it off? You walk in the Spirit. And you have the Spirit control you. Not you. Okay? We need to so learn this. So that we can live righteously and holy. We need to understand the Gospel is the power of God. The Gospel reveals this righteousness. So that you can live right. And be right. And do right. The gospel is the power to change your life, not you. you. The Bible says you awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. But let's go back here real quick in closing. We've got two minutes. I'll probably go over a few minutes. Sorry. Uh, this is where I might be. For by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we, we looked at this passage of scripture at length, and I could spend a lot more time on talking about all of this. But by now you should be teachers. We need someone to teach you again the first principles. And if you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, you are still a babe. And we will continue to be a babe. And we will continue to be unskilled in the word of righteousness, be immature, until we learn to exercise our senses. What is that supposed to mean? And again, remember this whole unskilled, Let's talk about immaturity. You know, this whole concept of immaturity is not new. If you read in 1 Corinthians 13, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul addresses the church of Corinth about being immature. Why were they immature? Because there was strife, there was divisions among them. You ever see kids? Knocking the lawn, siblings fighting in the playground, in the schoolyard, or any yard, for that matter. They're immature. They haven't learned how to get along with one another. Okay? See, in school, in elementary, you don't only learn your academics, but you also learn how to get along with people. You learn social skills. And in Corinthians, Paul had to deal with strife in the church. He wasn't dealing with the world. He was dealing with babes in the church who were fighting among one another. And Paul said that was immature. James, if you read James, I don't have time to go to it. I don't have the verses on the screen. But he calls those who are immature are dull of hearing. 
They're not so learning. They're not listening very well. Have you ever had a, a teenager or a toddler? They're not listening. They call it the terrible twos and they call it teenage years. They don't listen very well. Okay? And they have to be taught again and again and again the first principles. They haven't matured yet. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 4, after Paul talks about why he gave us pastors, teachers, whatever, and, and, and for, the, for the equipping of saints, for the work of the ministry. He talks about how the body of Christ is, 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 is uh, bound together in love. He talks about how we grieve the Holy Spirit because of how we backbite and slander and do other things to one another. And he talks about grieving the Holy Spirit because we don't get along. Kind of what he was talking about in, 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 in Corinth. In Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5 and 6, especially uh, towards the end of 5 6, he, he's talking about, and we just read some of Galatians chapter 5, where we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. In the very next chapter, he talks about how we need to get along with one another, especially in the body of Christ. See, immaturity keeps us. But our understanding righteousness and right standing with God. And if you don't understand right standing with God, if you don't understand righteousness, you're going to have a very hard time getting along with one another. The Bible says that we are the righteous of God. It's not just you are the righteous of God. It's not just I'm the righteous of God. We are the righteousness of God. It's plural. And we need to get along with other. If you can't get along with your brothers and sisters, you are immature because you don't understand righteousness for yourself. Why are you fighting with your brother and sister when Jesus, when all, you, all that you've done wrong, Jesus died for you and showed you mercy. And yet you won't show mercy to your brothers and sisters. If you don't show mercy to your brothers and sisters, you are mocking the cross. Because Jesus showed you mercy. In your sins, you could never have paid them. But Jesus paid them for you. Jesus paid for your sins when you didn't even ask him to. Jesus showed you mercy before you even received it. Jesus made the first move. See, immaturity keeps us from understanding righteousness, a right standing with God, but understanding righteousness is maturity. Someone who understands who they are in Christ is mature. Someone who understands how they get along with one another is mature. Someone who's not living like a devil and living in sin is mature. How do you get, how do you get mature and not live like the devil? You walk in the Spirit. You understand who you are. You start, you start living like who you are. You don't, you don't live like a Christian and then become a Christian. No, you, you know that you are a Christian and you start living like who you are. You get saved first, and then you say, then you change the behavior. You don't change the behavior, and then and then change your life. It doesn't work that way. That's antichrist. Okay, that's 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 being you're teaching you're teaching that you can become saved without Jesus. That's antichrist. Okay. The word of righteousness. See, uh, I wish I had it on the screen. Uh, yeah, this word of righteousness. There we go. 
the word of righteousness is the same as justification by faith. It's, 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 it's the same terminology. It's the same concept of righteousness by faith. For those of you who need to hear that. But again, I don't know why it keeps going back here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believeth, for therein is the life of God revealed. See, when we understand the word of righteousness, and that's what the gospel reveals, we will live, we receive righteousness by faith. And the righteous lives by faith. And we by then will live from faith to faith. You know, Paul says this in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 7. The same way that you receive Christ, so walk in him. You did not receive Christ because you had it all together. No, you had, you were a mess. You heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, and you received Jesus Christ. The same way that you received Jesus is the same way that you walk in him, believing God. And you live from faith to faith. You live from you the just lives by faith. But you need to hear the gospel. And you don't just hear the gospel once. Yes, you're, you can be saved once and for all, but at any point in time, you need to keep hearing the gospel because you need, you need you still need some healing. You still need some work. You still need some cleaning up. You still need to to, to a revelation of righteousness. You still need some joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Hopefully I'm making sense with this. This is a, we're walking with God. How many of you have sinned since you believed? How many of you have messed up since you believed? Until Jesus comes, we need to keep hearing the gospel over and over again so that we can continue to walk by faith. And we can continue to walk with God <coughs> from faith to faith. Okay? But going back real quick to here, it keeps talking about this solid food and strong meat. Uh, strong food, solid food, strong meat. Sorry. Um, me and righteousness is a strong meat. Because we need to have our, ex our senses exercised. And that's where we're going to go to. The best way I know how to describe this, if you have, were to look at the life of any Olympian, any athlete, who has seceded. And every once in a while when the Olympics come around or whatever, there's usually a documentary on some, some a lot of athletes and all the training and discipline that they have to do to become successful. And we know anyone who's been successful as a good athlete had to go through a lot of strict training to become successful in that, in that field, in that sport, whatever it might be. But part of that exercise was not just physical weights and running and, and the skills and, and ice skating, whatever it might be, swimming, or whatever the skill might be. But how many of you know a lot of that exercise was also mental? They had to, have to go, actually had to go through a mental before the race. They, they had to they had to see themselves as a winner. They had to think positively. They had to think right. If you have you seen any any movie like uh, or, or, or uh, 
especially with the, the Asian arts, with karate and, and, and different things of that nature, or even if you watch Star Wars, like a Jedi, there was a mental battle going on too. And they had to think right. They had to exercise their senses, just like an athlete here. And so, uh, any good athlete, any, you know, in some of the, the movies I've seen through the years, even the Karate Kid, for example. Yes, they had learned this, the, 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 the skill of karate. But how I many you know if you watch the Karate Kid, he spent a very little time talking about karate himself. He spent more time talking about the mental. Once he got the mental, he could teach the skill. But he had, and, and when, when they were under pressure, when they were in a battle, if you've seen a lot of these movies, or, or the Asians, and I'm just Asian, but anyone who's been skilled in these Asian arts, they learn, in a sense, self-control. They are exercising their senses. And I want to use that as an example to how we, as Christians, we as believers, not religiously speaking, but we need to so learn something, and we need to get so focused on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we need to be so kingdom-minded, and we need to be so kingdom-focused, and we need to be so God-focused about his kingdom, about our right standing, our relationship with God, that no matter what's going on financially, physically, uh, in our, in our relationship, in our government, in the workplace, in the home, parenting, relationship, marriages. We need to be so focused with God, we need to exercise our senses. And we don't exercise our senses after the fact or during the fact. We need to learn how to exercise our senses before. The athlete learns to exercise their senses before he's on that track, before he's in that swimming pool, before he's in the game. Before he starts the race, he's got to exercise, he's got to learn it before, so that when he's in the race, he can continue to exercise the senses. Just like the, the, the karate kid, he's got to learn how to exercise the senses before the match, so that when he was in the match, he could be living and thinking like a victory. And we are in the race of life, it's called the fight of faith. And we are in the war with the devil. We are in the war. Not with people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we need, as Christians, we need to come to the secret place. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness when we're out of the world. And when the world is affecting us, when things come at us, and they will, the storms will come. We are built on a rock. We are built on a good foundation of righteousness in the kingdom of God, knowing who we are in right relationship with God, that our senses are exercised, and we are skilled in the word of right. We're not a big, we have solid food. And we can take on what nothing's impossible for him who believes. We need to exercise our senses so we can discern both good and evil. Those who are not exercised, those who are not exercising their senses, those who are unskilled in the word righteous, they, they, they can't even discern what's good and what's evil. But how do you learn to discern what's good and evil? 
you need to learn to exercise your, your, your senses. You need to bring them subject to the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. How many of you know sometimes our senses, our senses in themselves are not evil. God created our senses. They see, they hear, the smell, the feel, the sound. They, but they have the potential to blocking, to blocking, and becoming the problem. Um, sorry, I tried to read my notes here. So sometimes our senses, when they're not exercised properly, can become an obstacle to experiencing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sometimes we're praying, we're wondering, why, why, why the blockage? Why, is it not, why are we not seeing breakthrough? You have the keys. You have the kingdom of God. You're a believer. You believe the word of God. Sometimes it comes down to right here. Your senses are lowered. And you need your senses to be exercised to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you are not experiencing that joy and peace, you're not in the kingdom. Because three characteristics of the kingdom of God are righteousness, joy, and peace. And I don't care what you're going through. I do care. But when, no matter what you're going through, if you are not experiencing that joy and peace, those are good indicators that your senses are not exercised in the word of righteousness. And instead of the kingdom of God reigning in your life, in that situation, in that moment, in that circumstance, your situations, your circumstances have controlled your senses. And they're going to win in that moment. But we need to bring those sense, our senses into captivity, to the word of righteousness. And no matter what it looks like on the outward, we're seeking, we know in our heart of hearts that we have a victory in Jesus Christ. Because we are seeking first. I don't know why I keep doing that. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. I hope this has been fruitful. I'm out of time. I'm going to come back next week and we're going to talk about the foundation of righteousness. We're going to be talking about the scepter of righteousness. We're going to be talking about, again, our authority that we have in this righteousness. But I want us to also understand that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to understand the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that we need to be skilled in the word of righteousness. We need to, we need to have our senses exercised. Because we're in a different kingdom. And that kingdom is here. We have the keys, yes. We're going to realize that. We're going to hear about the scepter of righteousness next week that we have. And this is all New Testament stuff. This is all New Testament stuff. And we have a great kingdom here. It's not here and there, but it's within us. We have the keys. It's here. But we also need to, it's, it's not a physical kingdom right now. It's a spiritual kingdom. 
And we need to have our senses exercised to know that who we are. See, the whole idea of your senses being exercised is to me, goes back to Philemon 1 6. Acknowledging every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus. Bring everything into that acknowledgement. I don't care what I'm going through, what I'm, I don't care what it feels like, I don't care what I hear, I mean, see, hear, feel, touch, smell, taste. The Word of God says, My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches according to Christ Jesus. The Word of God says that um, by His stripes I am healed. My, the Word of God says that if I ask for wisdom, He will give it to me liberally. The Word of God says, I have favor of God, a favor of man, and a good understanding. The Word of God is my victor. And it says I have a victory in Christ. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And I don't care what it looks like. I'm believing God and His Word. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.